Yo, what's up, guys? You could have been listening to any other podcast in the world right now, but you're not. You're here listening to mine, and I appreciate you. On this podcast, we'll be sharing stories with people from all walks of life, talking about their journeys, their passions, and any struggles along the way. I'm here to help the stigma around mental health. I'm here to learn with you, get inspired, and have a laugh, and grow into the best version of ourselves. Hi, I'm your host, Craig Howard, and this is the next episode. today on the next episode. It's a real uh, honor for me to sit down with you and I've got a lot of respect for you, mate. And I just want to say that we are currently in Nathan's Hair Studio. We are at the beautiful Fox & Co. Uh, down here at East Brisbane. Well on done. A, on a, not, I don't know. The weather's <laughs> sort of started to turn a little bit overcast. was quite nice before. But yeah, Nathan, I just want to say it's a real honor to have, have you here and, and give me your time to sit down and talk with me. It, it means a lot. Um, you know, I just, yeah, would you like to give our listeners just a quick intro, maybe perhaps where you grew up, uh, the age is up to you, um, <laughs> perhaps maybe how we know each other and yeah, yeah well, that shouldn't be too hard, eh, Cass? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, look, my name's Nathan, uh, I'm, I'm a southern boy from, from Invercargill, New Zealand, uh, hence why I roll my R's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, K1W1. A little bit nervous at this present point, but that's okay, we're doing, doing good. Um. Look, it's um, a little bit about myself. Look, I'm a 43-year-old. 43-year-old, yeah. 43-year-old, trying to defy gravity and age and everything else, uh, but loving life still at the same time. So You're, um, you're a father? I am a father, I am. I am. To, to the beautiful Rhapsody? I am, yeah. Uh, my daughter, Rhapsody, she turned 16 um, uh, in August. Uh, and uh, So... She, I'd love to yeah, talk a little bit more about that um, uh, later on in, in the episode about what father life, father life is like. Um, so just going off off that, like I want to share a little bit more about about us. Like, how did we meet each other? Well, um, I'm I'm um, uh, we're cousins. We're cousins. Yes, yes. <laughs> but we never knew that. We didn't know that. Look, uh, when I was about thirty seven, I think thirty six, thirty seven. Um, my biological auntie contacted me, um, uh, which was scary, uh, very scary actually. Um, and I didn't know if that's what I wanted to hear from. I didn't know who my biological father's family because it was uh, who who they were, um, as it was a, a secret within my own family. Um, but it. Uh, this, the uh, this, this, the fear of, of meeting my biological family very quickly dissipated once I, I met them and uh, for the first time in my at that point 36 years of life um, well 36 so that's like a long time without knowing absolutely yeah um, but it was amazing because I I um, finally met the other parts of my personality that I always <laughs> misunderstood and everybody else around me and my, sure. my family misunderstood. Uh, so that was an amazing experience. So prior to that, I'd always believed in, in environmental upbringings, uh, created our personalities to realize that nature and nurture both have a hand in creating who we are. Oh, beautiful. I like that. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's some truth. 
So from, from how I know the story, um, so my dad, Ziv, his brother, Lenny, was your father, biological father. Yes, yep. Um, how I've been told the story and like, I mean, this is just how I, I've been told. So Lenny, my uncle, so it's your biological father. That's correct, yes. Um, he went to prison. As far as I, I remember, he was in prison. Yes. Yep. Um, in the seventies, would you was it? Would uh, it be would, the seventies? I would say. Well, I was born in seventy six, so I would say it was probably about seventy seven, possibly. Oh, right. And I'm going off my own lifespan. I sure, that makes know, sense. I then. don't know the true uh, history in that, and I suspect. Um, and your mum actually gave me some some information on this, but I read it six or seven years ago, Craig. But and uh, I've forgotten the the timeline of true events. But yeah, he went to prison um, for. I think, uh, I, I, it, was it to be vague? Or? I think he was. Um, I think he was done for petty crimes of theft, uh, um, and I believe that he was a person in his own right that was crying out for attention. And if he was born to today, he may have travelled a different path. First of all, he did go to prison. I think for what well, that that was for um, having addiction problems for drug and alcohol. So I couldn't think the prison was used as some form of okay. um, um, trying to help him with his addiction issues. Um, and then afterwards, so after his prison, his probation was that he had to go to a, a camp sure, to, okay. to right. further the, the therapeutic process if it was therapeutic back in the 70s. And if, and if that's, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and so, and New Zealand's landscape is a very extreme landscape and where he was in his tent um, in this camp, which was very isolated away from anywhere, so these people couldn't escape, um, there was a massive landslide and his tent, and I believe himself and somebody else in that tent, um, basically were swallowed up by the landslide and killed instantly. Um, and I think that's about 77, 78, possibly at 79. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Tragic end. Yeah, very, very tragic end. But you never knew your father. No, no, I didn't know my father at all. And we never knew that uh, that Lenny had kids. No, no. And look, I, it, look it came across, I came from, uh, actually, it's quite an amazing story, really, because um, to, to give a little bit of background, my biological mother or no let's put it another way my grandparents on my biological mother's side adopted myself um, and my twin brother um, and so effectively my grandparents became my parents and my uh, biological mother became my legal sister so we skipped a generation yeah, right. now that uh that came with its own complications uh, and, and own problems, but that's another story. Um, where were we going with that, Craig? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know I was no. leading up to a story somewhere. Yeah, no, look. Um, well, was, so hence, I didn't know. I didn't know. You didn't know your father. and, and at all. Uh, yeah. And but, so growing up, um, did you ever have like a male role model in your life? Uh, well, look, my, my father, who was my grandfather, sure. passed away when I was nine. Um, he passed away prematurely. Um, uh, did I have male, male role models? Um, yeah, my look, I come from quite a large family, um, but my brother down, who's nine years older than me, um, effectively he is my, my biological uncle, but uh, he was a very 
a, a, a wonderful supportive character, especially after my father died. So he really stepped into that role model after my father passed away. Um, and, you know, uh, he is a very stereotypical male, uh, masculine male that's very bravado. Um, and yet he's got a sincere, uh, a sincere heart about him uh, and is a very caring person. And for me, I really needed that. Um, I didn't need a, a male figure to be a, a masculine bravado, but sure. more to be a caring, supportive person. And so he has and always has been that person for me. Um, and so I, I respect him and admire him for that. But getting back to the sorry, last story, Craig, um, where I was leading to was um, uh, my brother Darren um, and Linda, my auntie, your auntie, sure, uh, they were both nine years old. Um, and they went to the same schools because we grew up within houses and streets of each other. Um, though my brother Darren being the youngest in that immediate family and Linda passed comment going, um, my brother's, my, my sister's having a baby with your brother. And that's really all that was said. And that played on, on our auntie Linda's minds for many decades. And that was as much as we knew. Now, in actual fact, my brother Darren really had no idea what he was talking about because he was only nine, um, and my auntie Linda really didn't either. So they, uh, that they were just repeating words from conversations that they weren't entitled to listen to at that time. Sure. Um, so hence why my brother never told me of that information because he really didn't remember it. So like streets away, like streets literally. Away. Streets away. That is crazy. That's yeah, your grand- small. Like Our grandparents were neighbours to my uncle and auntie's house okay hang on so <laughs> so our grandparents our no, grandparents yes and rosie and reg were neighbors in lothian crescent to my uncle and auntie which is my grandmother's yep, who yep. was my mother's brother brother yes um so they were actually neighbors so and as a child i went to my uncle's house and auntie's house all the time and used to play with my cousins there had no idea the connection that wow. over the fence that's was, incredible was my biological family that I didn't know that I was longing for. And then I went to school across the road, high school across the road from them as well. Well, man. The other irony, or well, not irony as such, but the other thing is, is I also lived in Gray Street um, in my early, early to mid-teens, which was just down the road from Reg and Rosemary after they sold Lothian Crescent and moved down the road or bought a new place down the road. So our paths crossed many times and yet none of us ever really knew it. But then Linda and Linda had this this memory that was constantly plaguing her, and she went to her brother's gravesite when she went back to New Zealand, um, and it just it, it was just that moment, a poignant moment for her that she went, no, you know, I've got to act on this this uh, this thought that I have niggling me. Yeah, what she can remember about that day, about yeah. that what what was said. Yep. And that stayed with her? That stayed with her forever, yeah. So she had no other information apart from the fact that this guy, Darren Fox, had said those words. And kids, like, you know. Absolutely. So, but thankfully she acted on that. Yes, uh, for sure. I mean, you know, we would have never met. Absolutely. And, yeah. and like, I'll talk a little bit about, like, how long you were living in Brisbane before, you know, you found out that we were living here in yeah. Brisbane. Yeah. Um, but I want to take a little bit about back to perhaps... What was schooling life like for you? You know, you were in quite a smallish town. Was it a small school? Uh, well, in certain... Rel- uh, 
It was it was a normal size school okay. in New Zealand. I came from Invercargill, which is a population of fifty thousand people. Uh, it's well spread out, uh, so it's quite a big land area. For those uh, who this, who don't know, New Zealand's uh, Invercargill is like way down south, right? It's the bottom. It's the bottom. It's the arse end of the country. Yeah, they call it <laughs> the arsehole of the earth, but a beautiful uh, it's part of the world. Spectacular, spectacular. It's one of one of uh, the world's wonders, really. Um, but so the school was a normal size what I was used to it was we lived in a township it wasn't city and it wasn't country it was a town um schooling for me schooling schooling wasn't a bad place for me um schooling was quite a good place uh it was um yeah like friends you know like good friends good good circle of people around you that you were well yes look I did have great friends actually um that I still have now um Ironically, the people that I made friends with at school were people that I looked up to and at that present point wanted to be like. And then as I got older, I realised that I didn't want to be anything like them at all um, once I found my own personality. Um, But I I met some people at school that I went to school with at primary school and I I went through to primary, intermediate and senior school with them as well. And while we didn't speak to each other, we weren't actually friends, many years later, or 25 years later, when I went to my high school reunion, realised that um, we were actually friends because we, we, uh, we all knew each other at our most vulnerable points in our lives. So they, they, while all the friends that we've made as adults, these people that we went to school with in our younger years, um, or people that we went to school with, actually knew us for who we were before we shaped ourselves uh, to blend into the big world for sure yeah. yeah like you know your vulnerable self where you're uh you're experiencing and learning and and, and slowly shaping your um your own character your own personality and absolutely you know yeah. before really finding out who you know getting to the point in your life where you you know your true self yeah absolutely so schooling so schooling wasn't a um it was enjoyable for you uh schooling was good was fine i Bullying had always been there, but from where, like, uh, I, I, I wasn't overtly bullied you never found at school. That? Never followed um, you? No more than anybody else was bullied sure. at school. Um, you, we found safety in our groups, uh, our friends, and so we, uh, bullying is a lot easier to cope with if you've already found a sense of belonging in a group or friends um, that help to build that wall to deal with that. Um, though, however, you know, um, I was at a young age, from a very young age, already um, performing a personality to conform to the expectations of my peers, being the fact that I was a young gay guy in what well, non-identifying young gay guy in a very conservative place and uh so that was a very masculine society like did you would you say that you felt like a bit of a misfit like did you feel like um i i didn't feel like a misfit i felt i i didn't feel like a misfit um but inside i certainly felt uh um unnatural and and i i felt like i was hiding um who you were who, who I was yeah very yeah. much so um, but and that, I guess that comes with 
you know, your experiences and, and, and what you go through to then ultimately find yourself at the end. It doesn't just happen. It took you know? me many, many, many years to find myself and I had to hit rock, rock, hit rock bottom before I, I came anywhere close to actually wanting to actually meet this person. Um, sure. Yeah. Sure. Like I, I talk about um, my, myself in a way of like I, so I'm, I'm almost 30 now and I yeah. talk about sort of, you know, the last decade that I haven't been Craig. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't Craig the yeah. whole way through and I feel like it's only really been you know the last couple of years where Craig's really come to life yeah you know yeah. and I really find you know um happiness and who I am and 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 I also um appreciate the journey that I've had the struggles and the, you know and, yeah. the, and the moments yeah. where it's ultimately shaped you know who I am so to yeah. get off get off track a little bit there but no, no, not I, I, I you know I can yeah. just see you you know it's relating to that yeah yeah um, so coming out of your schooling years, did you always know that, um, you were creative and that you would, you know, end up finding work in the, I guess, uh, creative industry? No, look, 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 I did do well in arts and, um, but I struggled in many other areas of my schooling. Look, I wasn't bright, uh, back then, um, uh, the, back in the eighties, uh, the expectation of children for lower middle class and middle class families was if you've got a job at 15, you may leave school and go to work, okay. irrespective of having skills that may survive you for the rest of your life. However, I was very lucky that my auntie was a hairdresser and I always used to say to her that I want to be a hairdresser just like you when I grow up, auntie. Um, and so, um, well, I don't remember that too well, she remembers it from my being a very young age but uh, I started I went and did work experience so you, I think you've got to remember the time too that um, unemployment was certainly rising in New Zealand um, and there was a shift between tradesmen's to academic uh, being universities universities were just starting to grow so you're starting to see more uh, middle-class kids having the the privilege of going to university and further education to, further to education. chase yep. so it was in that time of transitioning and so that was quite confusing about where you belong uh, you know where you go uh, I didn't have the academic skills to to support me at university which I didn't think I had the academic skills as I got older I realized that that I did have the academic skills but it was uh, I uh, I uh, I wasn't focused on them. As I grew older, I realised that yep. I can actually apply myself to anything. You've got anything it in you. You've got it in you. To, to be whatever I want to be. But when you're younger, you you, uh, you get told what your path is going to be. And that's... Uh, well, yeah, just, I can relate to that. Yeah. I can honestly, I can relate to that for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, it's Yeah, I guess it's for you to make up your own, you know, your own choice, your own minds and where yeah. you want to be is, yeah. um, it's challenging. But yeah. if you can find that at a young age yeah. and some people, I mean, uh, are lucky to find that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like it's taken me such a long time to, to figure out, you know, what I really am passionate about. What, yeah. what makes, you know, my cogs turn, what, you know, what I enjoy doing. Um, this will look forward at, at my age now and it's not I'm not that old but certainly at my age now Craig I look at people and think you know we're so quick to rush into things and put expectations on that we must achieve the result that we think mm -hmm. we should achieve yep. when really I think we should try as many things as we possibly can if we don't find it at 20 we might find it at 30 we might find what we want to do at 50 but as long as our journey is constantly uh, 
evolving yeah. and sure. we're constantly adding to and it yeah, we're trying. without destroying ourselves yeah. then I think that's good and I think society puts a lot of judgments on us and expects us to have a career and a white picket fence definitely um, and to be married with children by 30 well that society's gone it now, is gone which right which is great because um, yeah I mean, what scares the shit out of me um, was, well, what did, I, I should say, was, um, you know, doing a job Monday to Friday, nine to five or whatever the hours you do, you know, just to pave your way to, you know, yeah. keep your head above water, so to speak, um, and do that, I guess, the typical, you know, the typical working life up yeah. until you're 60, 70. Yeah. And, and then, then that's sort of it. So yeah. for me, I was always so um, outspoken and honest about, like for my for me, my father sort of, he he was a roofer, he was a plumber, so that's what I was going to be. Yeah. And that's, that. I hated that whole idea of like, well, no, I, I, I want to do this and I, I feel like I want to try that and I want to, yeah. you know? Yeah. It wasn't until like, I really found myself as a young adult that I decided that like, you know what, Craig, just, do what's going to make you happy. Make yeah. a decision and have the confidence and, yeah. and back yourself. Yeah. But I guess... And sometimes um, we don't even know what makes us happy. No, we, right. We've got to try things. Look, with my 16-year-old daughter now, I want her to put her hands to anything and everything. And I want her to fail. I want her to, to do something and fail because certainly you learn more from failing than you do from constantly succeeding. Um, but if we don't try things or we have a fear of trying things by what other people might say... Or think then we're actually limiting ourselves to be the best that we can be beautifully said yeah I couldn't agree anymore yeah yeah so going back to I guess your like later teens and like your early 20s like that sort of period do you, would you say that like um, you you were comfortable in your own skin certainly not no definitely not. <laughs> most definitely not uh, was I but I was comfortable in the performance sure uh, um, I had mastered by certainly by my my mid to late teens, I was comfortable in my performance. Um, so, like when, so when I say that, like, so you had um, self confidence, like issues, where you like self doubt and like believing in the, the voices in my head, sure, that uh, constantly limited me from being me, uh, were constant. Uh, but I, I certainly would never have verbalized those voices in my head in fear of people thinking that I was weak or that I was um, different different you know um so i very much took on i very much look to be luck to be honest craig um i i married a beautiful lady who was my best friend sure um at a very young age she was the only person that i trusted emotionally um and she was the only person that knew me for many 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 years um and to today she is still my best friend um or one of my best friends um and so that and but, um oh, sorry i no, I mean, that's, that's the beauty of it. Um, so, but I, I very much, at that time, mm -hmm. I have a hang-up about masculinity and bravado, or I have a, a mas I have an attitude, or I have, yeah, an attitude certainly about, um, about what is gender or what is, uh, not sexuality, but um, to, you know, how a girl can be a tomboy and be feminine, or can be, you know, a boy can be not masculine and yet be a man or be, you know, like masculinity isn't, isn't, uh, you know, muscles or speaking a certain rough language or, or whatnot. Uh, so, but I, I adopted that because that's what I saw in society, that I must be this person. I must be a strong, 
outspoken male person. Uh, while I could hear myself talking when I was younger and not agreeing with anything that I said, that's how I performed so that I could reflect anybody seeing the inner person in me and being a gay person as well. Um, so I, I spent many years of my life performing that and I, I, do, I do think of it as performing. However, my relationship, I, I feel like I've spent the last, you know, certainly since I was 30 and I finally came out, I've spent the last 13 years um, um, like figuring out, would you well, say, like like going through the steps to? Well, it's, oh, actually, because we're talking about like um, my marriage to a woman, sure, um, and um, and I feel like I've had to justify that that I was deceitful, and 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 I, that really hurts me because at the present time I had never had intentions of coming out as a gay man um, because I couldn't cope with that, um, and I met a person, not a woman, not anything else, but a person that I trusted emotionally, and for me that was love. And I loved her because she loved me, for me. And she was the only person that knew me, and then then we had a family, and what a gift that is. For sure. Um, to, that to, brings a tear to my eyes. Not many things bring tears to my eyes, but when I speak of my daughter, that makes me incredibly proud. And so and, uh, we're I, talking about the beautiful Rhapsody. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah. And Nathan is, he's, he's very proud of his daughter and, and he has every right to be. She's a beautiful, young, talented woman. And, um, and I, it's a full credit to Nathan. He has shown her a, um, he's given her the, the, um, the courage and the motivation to be herself. Absolutely. And the strength to emotionally um, back herself that it's okay to feel all emotions and we have to feel all emotions to it's real emotions are real every emotion and we have to validate every emotion that we have at that present time and understand um, it we need to understand what yeah. what these emotions mean instead of thinking of yourself as a freak because you have a certain emotion and and then pushing that into the background and denying it uh it's actually more about dealing with that emotion right here right now um and so when I look at my daughter, she is successful being successful at school, she's successful at sports and dance, but she's successful at friendships, but she's also successful, and the one that I'm most proud about is, is successful with dealing with her own emotions, and it gives her a rational stability by just being honest to herself, and well. that's the biggest gift that we can give our children, and the time that we live in now is one of the best times that the world has ever seen. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I wish I um, was feeling like that and I understood my mental state at a young age like that. You know, I feel like I was very immature for so long. It's taken me probably, I learned how Rhapsody is now at 16, probably not until my, you know, uh, later teens um, and, and early 20s even to, to be able to really understand uh, my emotions and what that all meant and for me to build confidence and trust myself and, yeah. and all these um, things that are... Um, well, socially, you get trapped up in this uh, world. Like I talk about being in high school with so many different personalities and yeah. people think that thinking that, you know, they, I guess what, know it all, they're young adults yeah. and they're, I mean, ultimately they're just learning yeah. <laughs> and, but they, they take on um, this role as presenting themselves as these young adults, but then they're learning and sort of paving their way through uh, this this world of um, yeah, so many different personalities. So it takes it can take you quite some time to 
to sort of find yourself and yeah. I think we forget because personality is a very much on the face thing. We hear and see our personalities. But actually our emotions are all the same. Each and every one of us that we go to bed with, the thoughts in our heads about ourselves and our emotions, as you get older you realise that we all experience that. So when somebody comes across as being overtly confident, now I look at them and going, okay, this, they've got some turmoil, turmoil in their mind and I'm not saying that's an illness or, or a mental thing but I don't look at them for actually what I see because they've created this personality of sure. confidence yeah um, we are in all the same fact, it actually makes me it makes me identify with them because I see them struggling on the inside while they're actually portraying another image on the outside and that's coping and that's what we do as humans is cope I have to say though every generation I, I'm, I'm a very incredibly optimistic person um, and I look at every generation and I listen to older people and the older people always say oh in our day we didn't do that or we wouldn't do that but that's relevant to their day every generation gives birth to a child or a generation where they, they, they always aspire to have better for them or they always aspire for them to be better we don't give birth to children wanting to make them backwards or to make their lives worse. Um, so I, I look at the evolution of humans and I look at it with great optimism uh, that we are becoming better, better people constantly. Irrespective of everything that's happening in the world, I do believe that we are becoming good people and better people constantly. Otherwise, we'd stop having children. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that, that's beautifully said. And, and you are right, just touching on what you said then about, you know, the things that are going on in the world right now are scary and are real. But, you know, if we can just share and, 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 and show ourselves in a way of, like, we are compassionate humans and we all can come together and be kind and be one and unite as one to, you know, ultimately um, be on top. Absolutely, yeah. You know, so yep. we, we all can get along, every yep. race you know, every Absolutely. nationality. And I think being, being a gay person, well, and actually the whole world is full of marginalised people, but we all have this conception that we want to be popular. We want to belong to the populace because that's our human instinct. Yeah, and that's what belong. is ultimately, that's what's um, comfortable we're, for we're them. We're all marginalised, so it's actually confronting when we realise that we're all marginalised and that actually we all want to that we be the same as each other and be humans, irrespective of our cultural backgrounds or our religious backgrounds. Totally. That excites me though. That does excite me. Yeah, because it's only technology that makes us um, sensitised to all of the things that are happening now. The bigotries that are happening currently have been around for eternity. You know, they've been around, but we wouldn't read about what other nations were doing or what other politicians were speaking or what other churches were speaking. Yeah. So, going back, um, yeah. like talking about like our, our old elders, yeah. um, you know, I guess, you know, and, and how sort of, I guess I use the word like old school yep. and, and, and the way that they talk about things. And, yep. and I guess, and I mean, they're in their every right to, um, they only know what they know. Well, you know? to be fair though, that every generation has been contemporary. Contemporary, but I also because feel like we're evolving. We're, we're expanding we're in our evolving. young so generation. They were paving the ways for people before us, so we can't forget our history. And I'm not, certainly not saying that our people before us were Neanderthal. I'm certainly, but we are a people that are growing better um, with every generation. So when I look at my grandparents, they would have been progressive in their ideals with their upbringings of their children compared to their parents. 
as with their parents again. So as humans, we are constantly evolving and we're constantly becoming better. And that's the, the wonderful, exciting thing about being a human. Yeah, that's, um, it's nice to, to feel that we are going to be better humans. Right. We're trying, you know. Absolutely. Like, and, 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 um, but just even understanding ourselves or even just understanding the fact that we can't understand ourselves. It's okay if you don't understand yourself. That's anymore. why we have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, and how wonderful. I'm proud to belong to this, this time. And so I, um, I want to take it to, we were on a plane heading to New Zealand. And um, oh, you and yeah. I and, and yeah. Ryan and was I drunk? <laughs> yeah, we had a few wines. I don't know if I. I remember I Ryan. <laughs> Ryan was um, sort of had his head on the window, and you and I would sort of, we found ourselves sort of deep in conversation, yeah. and we were just really getting to know each other a little more. Yeah. Um, and we sort of and I love that. Yeah, like it. Yeah. It, we highlighted things um, that we both could relate to. Yeah. And um, it was knowledge to us that anxiety. Uh, ran in our family. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and I and I speak about this that my um, my my oh, our, sorry our grandmother uh, Rosemary, rest in peace, is um, she suffered anxiety and you know she wouldn't leave her home for long periods of time. So then my my father talking about um, his battle with panic attacks and anxiety and and sort of back in the seventies where like it just wasn't spoken about it wasn't a thing it was like what we were talking about before mascul- masculinity Absolutely. and and yep. Yep. and and that's a real thing and yep. still to this day uh, that's a real thing yep. to myself and yep. dealing with my own my own battles with um um i guess mental health and 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 what i've gone through to my sister also so there's a long history in our family and it opened up that you could almost breathe in the sense of like, well, I know where I belong now. Um, you know, where you've come from, so to speak. Absolutely. Look, look I, came, I came from a great family or a good family, just like anybody else's uh, with their own problems. But, um, sorry, relating to that, um, while, say like, for instance, talking about Darren, uh, my, my brother, yes. who is biologically my uncle, um, I loved him and I adored him and I loved how he was with me. Um, he certainly misunderstood me. Um, and I felt that everybody in my family growing up did misunderstand me. However, when I was 36 or 37 and I met my biological father's family, all of a sudden finding people that had the same anxieties and suffered the same, uh, suffered the same, yeah, suffered the same, um, for me that was such a great relief for the first time I felt like I actually belonged, but I actually felt like I was normal. Um, and that that helped me with healing but also helped me get to know uh get to know my my biological father's family uh i've always you know uh, i've always nervously talked too much or too fast i've always i've always exhausted personality i'm the same i'm the same that's why you know when we started talking and then i I met our grandfather (laughs) and rest in peace god may his rest in peace I, i adore reg but i met reg and this, he was in his late 80s and um, he was only a wee stature of a man like me and the familiarities with, with our grandfather, with myself, was actually quite confronting. And I never actually grew close to him because of his familiarity with me. I found that too confronting. Yeah, well. uh, he was quite an outspoken character and I'm actually not shy. <laughs> um, so, uh, and I, I love that in him, but actually it confronted me as well, how close to the bone it came. Um, hereditary, even though he had no environmental 
effect on me as a personality that that was purely genetic. Amazing, hey? Genetics. Absolutely. But then I met Rosemary and Rosemary is the person that I'm always attracted to because with her anxiety comes sincerity and love and honesty. And for me, those people are real. And people that, for yeah. me, that confront their emotions or their anxieties, they, they have a sense of safety and realness. Sure, a very kind, pure um, nature. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I fell in love with Rosie's personality because she's somebody, while she had uh, anxiety issues uh, and... Um, I'm not sure about self-doubt, but she had some anxiety issues. She was relatable to me, and I uh, I was very proud to meet her as a person, uh, and, yeah, loved her. Uh, ironically, when my daughter first met her, my daughter fell in love with her as well. Yeah. Uh, but they, my daughter has a very kind and gentle uh, disposition uh, of a personality, and uh, when she met Rosemary, I think she also met that connection of somebody else in her family that she could relate to. Sure. And so I could see that, which was, that made me very proud as well. I mean, like... Confusing, uh, though. I have to say, though, Craig, like, um, from meeting you as a person, uh, uh, not, um, I, uh, you are this young, good-looking guy, deep-voiced, <laughs> all of these lovely things, you know? Um, and so, but you were very charismatic, uh, and, uh, I admired that, but then when I actually, every time I met you, um, you, uh, I felt that you and I were actually quite similar in a lot of ways, and and all of those things broke down. Um, and as for that plane, that flight, that plane flight, and then there was another time that we sat in a cafe and and we just talked, and it just was endless. Sure. Um, and that connection is amazing. Um, it, that, but that's, it was real, and I love that. Yeah, the feeling that I got from us having those conversations, um, it, it really, I left feeling um, like I could understand myself a little more. And that, like, it's likewise. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it was just nice and refreshing and reassuring yeah, and, and yeah. all those, like, nice things that, like, um, that I am not the only one feeling like this, that's and right. I am not the only yeah, one. Yeah. And, and that's why. Yeah, and you're a creative person. As well, um, and that's and and I think we identify on those similar things as well. Look, I love hairdressing. I uh, hairdressing for me is many things. Hairdressing is stereotypically a gay man's job, or a, or a woman's job, whatever. Uh, but uh, hairdressing for me also is stereotypically about these big extroverted personalities, and we're too busy. And I'm actually introverted as well as extroverted i have different personalities or you know i'm chameleon when it suits in such different situations and hairdressing for me i'm dealing with people one-on-one -on -one, and i learned that i could build relationships with people one-on-one -on -one. Um, unlike when i walk into a, a group of unfamiliar people i would just freak out and i'd be in the back of the room having an absolute eclipsion going oh my god i mean i i, I can relate to that yeah so much um, so much you know social anxiety for me in group settings is where yeah. i found myself coming unstuck yeah. more so than just being um you know just with another person and just having a conversation like yeah. we are yeah, today yeah. um and like you know i've worked sort of all over australia multiple different jobs so I've met so many different personalities yeah. and I've always found myself in group settings maybe just taking my step you know just yeah. just back and a little bit uncomfortable yeah. but then if it was just a one-on-one -on -one, 
I feel like I can just sort of open up and just be a bit more sort of comfortable in um, my my approach on topics and things like that. Whereas before, I wouldn't dare to speak in yeah. in a um, an environment where there's lots of people and, yeah. and, and voice yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Um, but for some reason, just sort of taking yourself out of um, quite anxious um, scenarios or, or um, you know places yeah. and just to really just have just two voices absolutely and yeah. just like feed off each other absolutely. and, and respect, yeah. the respect yeah. and the understanding and and all those sorts of things um become yeah really nice to to sit and have a conversation yeah. yeah and also and creativity is a um it's it's a um coping mechanism for me I, I i was very fortunate that i found a job that wasn't actually a job it was actually a, a way of life for me and it brought me a lot of happiness and so i i'm very thankful for that and i remember a young uncle saying to me who was my mother who who if we go back to the start of the conversation was my grandmother her youngest brother um had a conversation to me about hairdressing realizing do you realize that you're entering entering a job that's a female job uh and that you're going to be low paid and i and i remember being 15 going yes i do but money means nothing to me money isn't success happiness is success oh wow yeah that's um that's the opposite approach to how I tackle well, life society, at that time. Well, that's how society tells yeah. us that money makes us happy. Well, that's how, that's all I've thought for so yeah. long, Nathan, that like I was always trying to chase the big money. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, you know yeah, me now. Absolutely. Hey, absolutely. I was always trying to chase the big coin and, and, and ultimately uh, I would be left on this roller coaster of rich, poor, rich, poor. Yeah. And at the end of it all, I would just be so deflated and I would just be so like um, lost. And, yeah. you know, but, you know, it's not money that makes the, happiness the making, i can't the stress makings that. of a person is not what they own but uh, but yeah, who they are and what they show people and, that they make connections with it's about how they fill their days up with things that make them happy hey, don't get me wrong it's easier you know to, oh, to talk about easy. now <laughs> life is easy but you know you we do have the ability to get up every morning i speak about this often and you feel a certain way yeah you you have the choice to decide on what and how you're going to be today. Yeah, and with that is powerful. Yeah, because then that leads to chasing after what you know ultimately you're passionate about and what connects with you yep. the most. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So uh, so we're talking a little. We've spoken a little bit about your your work life and how long have you been in business for? Would you say? Um, well, um, well, uh, my daughter's. 16, well, she's coming 16 in a few weeks. Because you had a hair salon um, or a couple so of salons back in New Zealand yes, yes, before so Australia? So I'm going to say about 19 years. Wow. So I think in my early 20s. Sure. Uh, no, sorry, not early 20s, mid 20s, I think. 25, 26. And I remember my bank manager, actually, this is quite a poignant moment actually for me because I went to the bank manager to buy her own money for a salon, which was, I think, $27,000. I had no money. We lived in a rented house. Uh, we had I had a beaten up old car, no savings. So aspiring, aspiring Absolutely. to own a business, uh, aspiring. Absolutely, aspiring. I wanted to grow. I wanted to, to yep. create a future, but I didn't know how to do this. But anyway, I went to the bank manager and this bank manager, he's, I was so nervous about, is this the right thing am I doing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I acting, acting above my belt? You know, <laughs> should I be more humble? Yep. You know, and, uh, you know, I can't afford this money. And back, you've got to remember that $27,000 was a lot of money. I had no deposit whatsoever. Um, and the bank manager turned around and said, Nathan, how far can you fall from the bottom? 
Wow. And those words just sat with That's me. That's so real. And hey. I went, you know what? I'm already at the bottom of this barrel. I can only take risks and go ahead and backwards at the same time or just stay at the bottom of the barrel. Hence, I, I, I borrowed that money. Uh, I backed myself, which I think is our biggest biggest reward is if we can back ourselves or biggest, yeah. But um, a year later, I had saved enough to pay off my loan, which was a five-year loan um, for the business, um, but I'd also saved a deposit for my first home. Oh, wow. Um, and, well, so you were, and, you were a go-getter. Well, no, I wasn't. I was, yeah, well, I was. Yeah, no, I, I, I was, but... but, but um, um, I was so f- scared of failing that I worked very, very hard. Sure. So, and that's and that's a real thing. Like the scare to be like scared of failure um, is, is so real yeah. that like ultimately leads you like you only have yourself to fall back on if Absolutely. it doesn't work. Yeah. You know what I mean. Yeah. And so like you can um, you know you can point the f- finger you know every which way you want, but ultimately you took the risk. Yeah. Um, you know to to um, start start your business and yep. and if it failed i guess that was on you yeah absolutely but um, then as so I it's got a weight on your shoulders as young man as i grew older i realized that people that failed in business or failed with their own economics um they are actually true entrepreneurs because sure. they will actually i used to feel sorry Taking for risks. people that would possibly go bankrupt or take risks on themselves but in actual fact those people will actually stand up and back themselves again and they'll reinvent themselves or reinvent what they do so yeah, so I mean, like just backing yourself, and, that, and, that, and that's something that I've learned as time's gone on is that failure is great. <laughs> like Absolutely. we need to fail. Absolutely, we I, need I think to. Failure is the best lesson yeah. we could ever. Like learn, if right? you have found yourself ever through your um, your own journey, um, I guess, and you found yourself at your rock bottom. I mean, there's like you're saying, it's perfectly what you're saying. Like, is only so far you can fall from the bottom. Like Absolutely. you're already at the bottom of the Abs- barrel. Absolutely. So what's the worst that's going to happen? So sometimes I guess you can't just say, oh. You know, I want to start this business and tomorrow you want to borrow this money and that. It's like, it's a calculated risk, right? So there has to be some thought oh, going into yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I don't want to just give our listeners yeah. the, the um, confidence to just, oh yeah, no, Nathan's done it. No, but the bottom of the it. barrel is in a bad place. It's a starting point to anywhere you want to go. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't matter how many times you're at the bottom of the barrel, you can always... But but even like through your like business and stuff, I'm sure there would have been times there where, where business was slow and you would have questioned, you know, oh. how am I going to get through this next period? Well, I've, I've been in business now for just about 20 years and I still freak out, have I got enough money to pay yeah. the bills? Have I got enough money to pay the bears? Can I procrastinate that money? Um... Can I do this? Oh my God, <laughs> freaking out. And I do that constantly. Um, and that's what keeps keeps me driven, also keeps me exhausted. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, like, what, just to give our listeners like a bit of a, uh, like a paint a picture and sort of sense of like, what's your week look like? Like what's, what's a, a week in the life of, of Nathan? You know, like, is it quite fast paced? Like, is your, or have you now created this work environment where you ultimately have a bit of freedom and you are able to, you know, not, it's just not all about work. I know you travel, try to travel as much as you can and, and you try to get away when you can. Yeah. Um, look, um, um, in the early years, in my twenties, if we paint a timeline of yep. events, in my 20s, I worked six days a week and worked very, very hard. But at that present point, you have the most energy that you're ever going to have. Um, and then also, working six days a week, and then you get into, well, I'm, being, I'm generalizing about myself. You get into your 30s and your family changes and you grow a family and you start to realize the things that are important to you. So you always, and then you realize, you know what? 
you know, uh, am I failing my family or am I failing my business or can I manage both of them? In actual fact, we can most of the time. And so you get to a certain stage in life that you start to balance things out. I'm actually working the best hours I've worked in my life and I plan on making them better. Uh, and I'm very thankful for that. Um, but my typical day, well, I start work at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which is great. Well, that's good. <laughs> um, that's but nice. I work till till nine o'clock in the evening, so I work against those hours, but I've actually realized that they're actually a massive advantage. Uh, when, you're growing in a, when you're living in a populated city, I don't travel or commute and waste any of my time in those painful excursions of my day so I can walk to work in 15 minutes, and that's awesome. So uh, my, my typical day, I don't, my business is never taking clients off the street as such. I've always relied on reputation being word of mouth, um, and by just meeting people, by networking. Um, so I'm quite thankful about that. But I'm very lucky at this stage of my career that my clients are booked six weeks, six months, and wow. sometimes a year in advance, um, which gives me a uh, um, great way of managing my time effectively. So I know that in six weeks' time I can make appointments, or in, in a week's time I can make appointments, and I don't have to be at work. So my day is not as structured as it used to be. Um, and so, which is wonderful. So business is a, is a, a wonderful way of um, working into your life. People, so my work life has actually become an extension of my friends. And a lot okay. of my clients have very similar values. While we all have different stories, a lot of them have similar values and, and, uh, and similar ideals. Um, and that was only until I got to this stage of my life that I realized that there's a common denominator amongst people. Um, that we're all searching constantly for a group to belong to in our wider worlds that we live in. Um, so um, I love my clients. They are like my friends. They're a different. They're a different friendship. So they they give me um, gratitude with that and that. Um, yeah. Um, then that um, yeah. So like I just want to um, point out that like through no like through um, your your um, your story, Nathan. Like. I can I personally take a lot from it yep. that like someone that battles anxiety and battles um, you know self confidence and have these like sort of I guess you know these panic attacks and and I have had for such a long time that to see someone who understands that and feels yep. and understands me but also continues to back themselves and to you know chase after what ultimately makes them happy um, yep. is um, a, that's a lot of strength for me to believe in what I'm doing here because yeah, ultimately yeah. like as you know like me starting this podcast was something true to my heart yeah and something you know and I feel like I'm, I'm taking those steps to uh, you know to, to happiness and, and doing Absolutely. something that I do and enjoy every day because you know it's been such a long time for myself that um, I've been getting up every day and doing something ultimately that I didn't enjoy so I mean I just want to close with with um, that episode, Nathan, um, would you like to share with us where you see yourself in, let's say, 10 years' time? Uh, where Where's Nathan? This? Where's Nathan? Where's Nathan in 10 years' time? Are we still well, in Brisbane? I want, I want to point out, I'm not sure if I will still be in Brisbane. I want to point out, though, I hit 30, um, and I had a massive um, crisis point that I was teaching a child to conform to society's expectations of who she should be when she could see that her parents' relationships being a mum and a dad were breaking down and the dysfunctions of that. And um, 
And I was left thinking, what am I teaching my daughter if I'm not actually um, disabling her to the rest to society's expectations and teaching her exactly what had been taught to me? How could I be her teacher? So that gave me the strength to actually finally come out as a gay man. But ironically, um, I met, uh, I very quickly met uh, Ryan, who ironically, we, um, we both put on our profiles that we lived in another city and we spoke for weeks. But the minute I spoke to him, I just, we were both just connected and we only spoke on the written word. And if you can connect with somebody in the written word, that's a different level altogether. But anyway, we both said, oh, well, look, we, we live in different cities. And then after about six weeks, I said, look, there's something I've got to tell you. Uh, and Ryan was like, okay, yeah, what's that? And I'm like, oh, well, I don't actually live in Brisbane. I live in Ipswich. And he was like, oh, same. I don't live in Brisbane. I live in Ipswich. No way. And I was like, <laughs> really? I was like, I live in Brussels. And he was like, no way. I live in Brussels. And it's like, I live in Lakemba Place. And he goes, I live in the street over. <laughs> so you lived in the same street? No, same suburb. Oh, sorry, same suburb. Yeah. How crazy is that? To yeah. like think that like, you know, you were talking and connecting. Yeah. And you lived in the same city. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you were kind of yeah. like... Um, Once again, second time in my life that... My, the parallels of my life were coming together and, and I had no idea they were right there in front of me. Um, and so that was amazing. But we uh, we met each other and it was all history from then on. And wow. I, uh, I plan on the next 10 years. Yeah, I where do you see yourself in, in sort of the next 10 years? The next six years, my daughter's got three years left of high school, two and a half years left of high school. She will possibly or probably go on to her university if that's the direction that she chooses to take, which is her choice and that. Uh, which I think possibly will be. Um, so we'll be supporting her because that gives us that gives us a lot of, you know, makes us proud as people supporting another generation um, to to further their their lives. But then after that, we we probably plan on uh, uh, having a simpler life, more sustainability. I love the the direction that the world's taking with sustainability, um, environmental reasons. Um, vegetarian reasons, um, being living, living off the land. So almost at this, uh, uh, I'm not going to say indigenous because I hate that word, indigenous. But I'm living a land that's, you know, hundreds of years old. Going back to the land, going back to simple things, just appreciating, just appreciating, just life. Just life. Simple, the, the simple simpleness things, right? Yeah. All of the other material things. So, uh, yeah, that's strip that's it back. Your our record. dream, I think, is to uh, to grow a garden. To, uh, to spend time with each other and to make relationships with great people uh, and just simplify life and enjoy it. Uh, That's beautiful. Irrespective of money or no money. <laughs> we'll find out. I yep, don't know about yep. that. <laughs> well, Nathan, that was beautiful. Thank you so much for um, allowing me to sit here and have this conversation with you and talk about, you know, a little bit about your journey and a little bit about where you came from to, to where you are now, some of those business tips that people will pick up through that, but ultimately just to share your story and talk about a little bit about living with anxiety and, and, and how you, you know, ultimately deal with it each day. And I can totally relate on that. So I, um, like I said, you know, I'd like to thank you for your time and uh, look after yourself. Thank you, Craig. And I think anxiety actually gives us strength quite often in some, well, in some situations. We see it as our weakness, but it's actually not as our strength. So, but thank you. Beautiful.